Thank you, Jan. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Um, forgive me if um, my voice sounds a little croaky, but uh, I developed a cold yesterday. I was so glad I wasn't out street pastoring last night. I've ordered good weather for next weekend. <laughs> Well now, the well-known story of Joseph you've been looking at over the past nine Sundays now comes to a conclusion. Uh, I actually began on October the 8th with speaking to you about the Jerry Springer type of family that Joseph came from. It was very, very dysfunctional. His father, Jacob, was a bit, a bit of a deceiver. And his, his father wanted Jacob to um, uh, meet a lovely wife, as I'm praying for one of my sons to meet a lovely wife. And he sent him up north to Uncle Laban. Uh, but the deceiver, he deceived his brother Esau of his birthright. The deceiver was deceived himself. And Uncle Laban, we're not too sure how this ha happened, but instead of marrying uh, Jacob, the love of his life, that was Rachel, he ended up marrying Leah. I don't know whether he'd been on the booze the night before or something, and, uh, or she'd got a veil over her face, but he ended up not marrying the woman he really wanted to marry. Uh, Leah gave him lots of children and then uh, Rachel, the Lord opened her womb and it's then that Joseph was born. Further talks talked about his dreams in Egypt, his integrity, his discernment in interpreting dreams but now we come to the famine of which those dreams spoke about. Joseph's brothers came to Egypt for corn and on the third visit there was... Uh, can we have the screen up please, Bruce? Thanks. On the third visit there was a dramatic revelation. The one that they had sold into slavery, the Ishmaelites had taken him off as a slave, was in fact a long-lost brother Joseph. Joseph was second in command in Egypt and here he was standing before them. Now in the verses dealing with those visits, the fear of the brothers that Joseph would take revenge on them, the key verse for me is this particular verse. Um, and I want us to see what we can get from this verse this morning. I love this verse. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Shall we say that together? Let's say it now. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. Now, I want to relate that to 2017 and 
each of us need to ask ourselves this question. How does this truth that Joseph expressed apply to us personally? I mean, does God work things out for our good? Is this really true? Or is this simply what I'm going to call easy-speak Christian testimony that we churn out to make us feel good? All of that we're going to think through now and see what we can learn from it. Now, I think, putting my heart on my sleeve, I can only say of me, but I think it would be true of you too. Many of us have had times when we've asked the question, why do certain things happen? Why do they happen in the way that they do? And more to the point, why do they happen to me? Why am I the culprit? I think that this can be a great challenge to our faith. We're left actually with lots of questions that we'd like to ask the Lord and for which there are no immediate answers. Those brothers of Joseph and their aged father Jacob must surely have asked questions of that kind. But perhaps, and you'll think I'm going off theme here, but I'm not, perhaps this particular verse from the Psalms might help us with questions of that nature. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Now notice that. The verse does not say the Lord is good to Christians. Nor does it say the Lord is especially good to those who really love him. Rather, it says, the Lord is good to all. I think one of the dilemmas we face is the fact that non-Christians seem to get on quite well without the Lord. Here in the West, at least, we're well provided for. Uh, we, we phoned friends we have in LA uh, two days ago, and they were telling us that they had just celebrated Thanksgiving. And we, of course, especially in rural areas, have the harvest. We're well provided for. And that's because rain and sun provides a harvest for us all. And this aspect of God's providence doesn't depend on our response to his love. From the bounty of his creation, God gives to all people whether they're Christians or non-Christians. But I think that this could present us with a very real problem if we think of God as only being nice to good people, yet acting harshly toward wrongdoers. In many um, ordinary, everyday things of life, it simply doesn't work that way. God is good to all people. So, to put that at its simplest, A just person may lose his or her umbrella only to discover that an unjust person has stolen that umbrella. But does God stop the rain because the unjust person has stolen your umbrella? Certainly not. So when we find ourselves saying, as a prophet in the Old Testament called Malachi once said, evil doers prosper, And even those who challenge God escape. 
We need always to remember this general aspect of his providence. God gives to all people regardless of their response to him. This truth doesn't in any sense answer all our problems, but I think it does at least give some explanation as to why things happen in the way they do. Bad things like happened to Joseph. But from what we might call God's general providence, there is also for the people of God a very special providence. And uh, one verse, um, of course, that expresses this truth so much in the New Testament, it's a well-known verse, is Romans 8.28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. Ever doubted that verse? I certainly have at times. And the New Testament, that's the New Testament equivalent of this verse in Genesis that we're thinking about now. Where, where, where Joseph said, you meant to harm me, but God meant it for good or intended it for good. The saving of many lives. Now, first, when Joseph was sold by his jealous brothers to the Ishmaelites, taken off to Egypt, he might well have asked, why? You know, what's happened? Where is God in all of this? Because he was human, he probably did ask questions like that. But he resolved to remain faithful to the Lord. He resolved not to become bitter, so much so that he came through his difficulties and years later, as we're going to discover, was able to forgive his brothers. Now, the difficulty we have with what Joseph said, God intended it for good, or that verse in Romans 8, all things are working together for our good, is that in our despair and in our confusion, we utterly fail to see how this can happen. How do you work things out for good, Lord, with this hellish situation through which I'm passing? We may, we may even go down the cul-de-sac of a self-diagnosed explanation as to why things are happening to us. Ah, this has happened to me because I failed to do this and I failed to do that. Or even worse, this has happened to me because I let the Lord down. Let me tell you, thinking of that kind is never, ever helpful. In fact, it will make your situation much worse. So, let's think for a moment of this biblical principle of God working things out for good and apply it to some of the difficult situations we face, or you may be facing right now. Here's one example. A mother wonders whether her 20-month-old daughter will ever walk again. You know, could she have a cancer? Could she have some other terminal disease? And she and her husband wait in the hospital while the doctors perform exploratory surgery on the little body of their daughter. 
naturally they're filled with anxiety. But they remind themselves in all their anxiety of how God has helped them in the past and how God can help them now and they trust him. They are determined not to blame God. And after surgery, the doctors were still not sure what was causing the problem. They thought it might be a hip infection caused by some kind of virus. But after three weeks on traction, the little girl gets no better. And the cries of that little girl plague mum and dad as every night they leave the hospital. It's agony. It's an exhausting time. Yet, miraculously, their strength is renewed each day. They know people are praying for them. And they sense as never before the presence of God. The situation appears hopeless. In fact, in many cases, it could have remained so. But for them, the little girl, a true story, eventually shows slight improvement and within six weeks, she's well again. Now, in a situation like that, those Christian parents would never know exactly why God allowed it to happen. But what they did know is just as the warmth of the sun falls on the just and the unjust, so does the striking of sickness. That little girl is part of the world, and we are part of the world in which there's ill health. As Christians, we're not, though God can bring healing to us, we're not offered immunity from sickness. But in that difficult time, those parents proved, as never before, the truth of that beautiful verse in the Psalms, that God is a very present help in times of trouble. In fact, they came closer to the Lord. This was the good that he brought out of it. And this, of course, is exactly what happened in the case of Joseph. Being sold by his brothers into alien Egypt, being falsely accused of adultery, ending up in present prison wasn't pleasant at all but God worked good through it. Dreams were interpreted. Joseph was exonerated and in the provision of food during that seven years of famine there was the saving of many lives. Now at times we all wonder why. Why me? Why this? And mark my words, mark my words, there will always be those who are prepared to give you answers. It seems to me that some Christians give the impression of having tapped into the mind of the Almighty in a way that quite frankly disturbs me at times. The plain fact of the matter is there are some things that happen to us for which there are no answers in this life. But by presuming to know why things happen, and they come to you and say, oh, well, this has happened because of this and that and the other, I think we can sometimes make out God to be what he's not. How much better it is, would you not agree with me, to say, I don't understand this, Lord, but I will still trust you. It's an explanation... It's not an explanation, rather, but it is expressing of confidence 
that God will be with us in the difficulties we face. Now, when we look at some of the problems we face, uh, we, 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 we say, oh, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. Oh, I, oh, oh, if only I could fly away from this difficulty. How can I get rid of these problems? That's understandable. But you see, God sees how those difficulties will develop our character. And though not directly sending those difficulties, and it's important that we see that, nonetheless, the Lord can use those problems for our good. Look at this verse. I came across it in James. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete. I had a terrible time in my life 25 years ago. But I tell you, it did something to me. It was awful at the time, but God brought good out of it. A young man could not understand why his fiancée had broken off their engagement. And he, had, he asked the question, doesn't God want me to be happy? Doesn't God want me to be happy? And when things don't go right for us, we could be tempted to ask that question too. We may assume that it's because God doesn't love us. He shouldn't let us be unhappy. But even when things happen that he doesn't necessarily desire, when people make choices that hurt us, even in those situations, the Lord can be at work. Do you believe that? The difficulties can bring us closer to God. The fact of the matter is, the devil will try to make us bitter, but God wants to make us better. This so easily could have happened to Joseph in his difficulties. Falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, let down by a prisoner whose dreams he interpreted. But during those hard, tough times, the Bible says, I love this verse, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Do you believe this morning in your difficulties that the Lord is with you? He really is with you. Some of you are nodding your heads, you know it's true. Let's never ever doubt the truth that in our difficult circumstances he's there. Bitterness on our part will take us down a different route. The sun that hardens clay melts butter. It has a different reaction. And in terms of the Lord working in our life, it's not so much the affliction that matters, but our reaction to it. Will it harden us or will it soften us? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. In our understanding of God's special providence in our life, we must never forget as Christians that we exist for God and not God for us. Our chief end, said one divine, is to glorify God. And he's much, much more concerned with our holiness than our happiness. Though I believe that the former will always lead to the happy. And if we're close to God and we're holy, we'll be truly happy people. There's a similar story to Joseph in the Old Testament. It's a New Testament example of exactly the same thing. Paul said this when he was facing difficulties. 
This is what he wrote to the Philippians. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happening to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear between the whole palace guard and to everyone here that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, in other words, because of my difficulties, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of the Lord more courageously and more fearlessly. You think it's a disaster I'm in prison. But God has made it work together for good. Faith in God's providence and what this really means in our lives will always mean us going beyond the immediate to God's wider purposes. That purpose may not always be known. It rarely is. But through it all, even when the devil is the most active in our life, God will be at work. The one purpose we do know he has in our life is to make us holy. And besides making us more Christ-like, God wants to use us. We do not know who we may influence. Let me tell you, when, when, when you deal with your problems correctly and trust God, if you're a parent, the first person you influence are your kids. They notice. Let me tell you, you, you influence other people too. You influence your neighbours. My wife had a long, long conversation with a neighbour the other day who's got cancer. And her husband said she started to get religious. And my wife told her about how the Lord had helped her in her difficulties. She said, oh, thank you so much, that helps me so much. We do influence other people. You might think, oh, I don't deal with my problems very well. Oh, I'm a, I'm a basket case. And in the heat of your emotions and in the peak of your fears, you think you're coping very badly. But it could well be that others see in you an inner strength that you can't see yourself. God works good out of it. Since God always has our best interests at heart, then we should respond to difficult circumstances in exactly the way that Joseph did. Not negatively, but positively. And as Christians, this should show itself in a number of ways. I want to suggest three things. First of all, we should learn to be thankful in all circumstances. Notice I didn't say thankful for the circumstances. I said thankful in the circumstances. Easier said, I know, than done. There are things we don't like, there are things we can't change, but though we may not feel thankful, we should be honest with God about our feelings until we do become thankful. Thankful for what he's doing for us despite our circumstances. What is more, we can be sure of this, absolutely sure of this, that God doesn't waste experiences through which we pass. He always has something of value to say to us in the unpleasant things of life. Secondly, as well as thanksgiving, we should have patience and hope when the problems linger. Waiting on the Lord at a time like this, I think it's very difficult. I preach to myself as much as to you. Believe me, I'm preaching up myself this morning. When the psalmist waited on the Lord, he said, I am still confident of this, I will see 
the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That should be our confidence. What form that help may take, we can't say. For instance, it could be that the Lord will heal us. I know lots of people who've known instant healing. For five years I was in our Ashbourne church and the lady worker there was miraculously healed of multiple sclerosis. Absolutely unbelievable. A different woman the second week. Or alternatively, we might be given the strength to cope with the situation through which we're passing. And the Lord might send friends along to help us, but patience and hope must be kept alive because if we lose that, we lose everything. And thirdly, and this says it all, with thanksgiving, patience and hope, we must always trust God when the answers aren't clear. Listen to this prayer. I leave with you, Lord, the ifs and the hows. To you belong the whys. To you I yield my judgment of what good my trials will do. I do not need to understand, but how I wish I could. I do not need to understand, but, O Father, give my stubborn heart the faith to trust your good. Very often I've discovered in my own life that I don't recognise the good until I view it in retrospect. I had a birthday last Wednesday. I'm knocking off years now, you understand. But when I think of all the years that I've gone through, um, do you know what? It would frighten me to death if I knew in advance some of the things that were going to happen to me. It would frighten you to death as well if you knew in advance everything that was going to happen to you. But the Lord takes us a step at a time. And we look back and we say, oh, God was there, God was there, God was there. But if we become angry, do you remember that man in the Old Testament, Jonah, he became angry. God spared Nineveh. He sat under a plant to die and the Lord even withered the plant. And he said, poor me, poor me, I don't deserve this. Think you've made a mistake, Lord. This is how things ought to be. Ever said that? I have. Later, I've regretted it. Because I've seen that God was with me and at work in my difficulties far more than I realised. The truth of the matter is, and with this I close, the longer we walk with the Lord, the longer, the more we begin to discover how faithful and how wise he is. The Lord might not directly will a thing, but he can still work through it. That's the confidence we have in him as we acknowledge his ultimate control over our lives and submit ourselves to his will. Whether we understand it or not, God's at work in our life. It, it, It won't be pleasant. There will still be tragedies, still be difficulties, Things that God didn't want to happen. But despite all that, the believer can rest assured, hallelujah, that nothing, nothing will separate us from his love. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, indeed, no matter how much you might doubt it, that 
Joseph principle is true for every one of us. God intended it for good. At times, things might not be good. In fact, they could be terrible. But nonetheless, in all things, God can work things together for good to those who love him. If that's what you, and I have prayed this morning, if that's what you need to especially hear this morning, I know some of you, I know some of your faces, you know me, but I don't know your personal problems. But let me tell you, God knows your problems. And if that's what you need to hear this morning, maybe you've gone down that avenue of bitterness. Stop diagnosis, this has happened because of that. I pray that God right now will especially apply the truth of his word to your heart. I cannot read his future plans, but this I know. I have the smiling of his face and all the refuge of his grace while here below. Enough. This covers all my wants and so I rest. For what I cannot, he can see. And in his care, I saved shall be forever blessed. May God bless his word to all our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.